You are listening to the highlights from the Creative Process interview with Ian McGilchrist. This podcast is supported by the Jan Michalski Foundation. Well, as you say, values are very important. What is it that we value? And I believe that we've inverted the pyramid of values, which leads from mere utility and uh, mere satisfaction in a simple way of our, our desires. We've put that ahead of things like goodness, beauty, truth, courage, magnanimity, generosity. These are important values, but they've been pushed down in favor of whatever is useful to us and can add to our supposed pleasure. Although actually it doesn't usually work out that way because pleasure is not something you get by deciding this will give me pleasure and going for it. Um, it's usually disappoints if you do that because happiness comes as a byproduct of other things in which you forget yourself rather than strive for your own satisfaction. The trouble with the mindset behind AI is that it's often driven by a desire for greater utility. And that's fine in a way, but giving us power to use the world, uh, which is really what that means, is only as good as the wisdom of the people who are using it. If they're using it without any wisdom, then they will help destroy us and destroy the world. I fear that without having a much better and deeper grounded understanding of the things you were mentioning, the spiritual realm of imagination, uh, which is not the same as fantasy, by the way. Fantasy, yes, takes us away from reality, perhaps, but imagination is the only way in which we can feel our way into the reality of things. We need to be, more than anything, we need to refocus where we're going and why we're doing it. And that might actually mean foregoing certain developments in AI, because they're not all innocent. If you create the means whereby we can effectively brainwash, enslave, and degrade and dehumanize human beings in the interests of those who have power and money. That is not a morally neutral act. That has already been the source of something that may well turn out to be destructive and yes, even evil. So I think there's a huge weight of moral duty on people who are in this world. We're going somewhere that we don't know what the consequences will be, and we ought to be circumspect. And that means doubting, questioning. And at the moment, there's an enormous amount of enthusiasm for certain developments, and it's not permitted to raise a voice of question and doubt. But as Hannah Arendt, a great philosopher of the 20th century, uh, she fled from Nazi Germany because of the persecution of Jews, she pointed out, when you stop being able to doubt things, you've embarked on a tyranny. That's a wonderful argument for really, I think, what should be the purposes of universities, which is a universal education, what more and more they become pre-professional schools. You yourself referred quite rightly to the idea of a university, which suggests a universal or a large 
vision of, of how things fit together, not just knowing a very specialised area. And the word humanities suggests, you know, the coming to understand who we are and what our lives are for. There can't be anything more important than that in an education. So just having STEM subjects as the focus of one's education is not really, in my view, an education at all. An education is about the growing of the human soul and spirit as well as teaching one information. They can't just be teaching information. That That's a sort of machine model of what a human being is. And there's so much more to us than that, which includes growing the imagination. But it's also very important. I don't want anyone to run away with a, a mistaken idea of what I'm saying here. It also demands Discipline. It demands self-discipline and learning at an early age to be able to work on a project. Now, you said how to enjoy it. And one of our mistaken ideas nowadays is, oh, we can make this more enjoyable by taking all the discipline out of it. But this is false. <laughs> a lot of satisfaction is achieved only when you have a certain level of acquaintance and expertise which has to be to begin with certainly a, a degree of hard work and to begin with you may not know exactly why you are applying yourself to this which is why it's important to begin it quite young because when you're older you're more impatient of knowing what i'm doing has this result whereas when you're young you sort of say okay i'll learn this thing i i enjoy learning things the more i learn about something the more fun it is so i think a combination of not patronizing young people and thinking they can't do difficult things. In fact, giving them challenges. I mean, challenging people is what is exciting. As an adult, a lot of people find their jobs so unchallenging that they take on sports that are highly challenging, or in their spare time, they do puzzles that will challenge their mind. But there's not enough that is challenging there. But challenging is itself a stimulus to the imagination and gives one great fun and pleasure in acquisition of an understanding. So it's that broad, broad picture that needs to be there. And within it, of course, you can specialise. Everyone needs to specialise at a certain stage and you may have to spend a lot of your time on, say, mathematics and science. That's absolutely wonderful. But you must also have, at the same time, never have given up broadening your understanding of history, philosophy and the things that orientate us in life. Oh, yes, I definitely don't want to be one for saying uh, we shouldn't challenge each other, because I believe that learning is fun. But I feel blessed. And I, I would love for you to share some of your inspiring teachers. I feel blessed. I always found learning fun. There was a sense of play. And so I'm very interested in some of those alternative learning models, like the Steiner schools or whatever, where there could be a physical yeah. activity. But it's not at the polar opposite of the intellectual. It's all bound up. Because I think happy children are, of course, able to learn better and and one thing that I think is also we learn so much more I believe when we, we there's this pleasure of making like we have a relationship of something we made out of this it's not knowledge just from but for rote learning absolutely and thank you for mentioning Steiner schools which I have no experience of them myself, but from what I understand of them and from experiences of others who've been through them seem to me very valuable. And of course, uh, Rudolf Steiner was trying to put into practice the philosophy of Goethe, who I think was not only one of the great poets, dramatists and 
philosophers of the last thousand years in Europe, but was also a great statesman and a scientist who did what I think scientists should do, which is to be empirical, to look at what there is there and ask difficult questions about it. Some of the answers he came to would not accord with those that modern science prefers, but I think they need perhaps to to think more about those those uh, thoughts of, of Goethe's. But in any case, yes, I, I my education, I suppose I was very lucky that I lived in an era when professionals were allowed to be professionals and they weren't micromanaged by bureaucrats and administrators who were uh, evaluating them and seeing whether they ticked the boxes all the time. The people who taught me would have been horrified by the thought that they could have the boxes ticked or that that's what they were supposed to do. And they'd rather have given up their job. They were often quite eccentric people, but were wonderful because they had enthusiasm. And I think that education, like everything, is an encounter. It's not a process that runs one way. It's a back and forth, and it's an encounter with something. And obviously in the in the pupil-teacher relationship, uh, it's the pupil that's going to be learning most. That's okay. We don't have to be so worried about that. But on the other hand, the way to do it is not to think of it as funneling stuff into, that is the machine model, into this young person, facts, data, information, and then testing them on whether they've got it. And sometimes nowadays, God help us, opinions are, you know, if they have the wrong opinions or question the values that they're being taught. But education is about questioning. Therefore, the very dogmas that they're being taught as liberal dogmas should be themselves problematized as soon as possible. They should be trained to argue both ways about any matter, to see the good side and the bad. That was very much part of my education, was being able to argue for a position and then turn it around and argue the other way. It's a very important training, I think. And having teachers who are not following um, some sort of map of where they must be. Oh, it's, you know, Wednesday, the 27th of October, so we must be on page whatever of a book. That's the death of education. What we want is a teacher who comes in and says, you know, last night I was thinking about so-and-so and it led me to go back to reading this poem. And then, you know, and then the, the, the class takes up from there. And that transmission of a flame, a spark that comes from the the one who is enthused to the to the the person whose whose soul is being educated, led out, made to grow. That is how education, in my view, should work, not machine-like. We hope you've enjoyed listening to these highlights. To listen to the latest episodes or learn more about participating exhibitions or interviews, click on subscribe. Thank you for listening.